Help us, help us to stand in that truth, in that promise today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning again. Um, hey, let's do this real fast before we jump in today. Um, it, th- this weekend, uh, we celebrated Veterans Day, and we are so thankful for those who have served our country um, and allow us the freedom that we have to worship and, and so many others. And, and so we're so thankful. Um, and so I, I, I think we have a few different veterans in the room. And so, so if you're a veteran, can you just stand up? We just want to honor you and just thank you for your service. So that's you in the room. Anybody? Um, yeah, I know Daryl is. I think I think Woody. Yeah, we're thankful for our veterans. Thanks, thankful for serving. Appreciate appreciate that, and we're so so grateful for for that. And um, and so yeah, when Woody, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, we should put some walk up music for him too. Yeah, there we go. Um, Hey, so, so we're, we're continuing our series that we've been we kicked off about seven weeks ago um, called Seeking God and Recovering the Church. And so one of the things that we have been doing through this series is we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. So we're still in Ephesians, in case you're wondering. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're at. But um, w- one of the things that we've been trying to do is just simply say, hey, we, we're trying to um, acknowledge the time and the culture in which we now find ourselves living in here in 2023 and, and, and just acknowledge the, the, the fact and the reality that that we aren't going to be able to turn this uh, ship around, culturally speaking, through our human efforts. Um, that, that, that no matter how good we program this thing, no, ma- no matter how good our systems and processes are, that at the end of the day, we have to seek the Lord, um, that it is only God who is going to be able to turn things around. And so we just want to seek him and seek him wholeheartedly. And, and so that's what we've been doing. And, and, and as we've been doing that, um, we've also been talking about, okay, hey, what are we supposed to actually be as the church? Um, how does this function? How should we actually be formed together as God's people in this place? Um, and so, so that's um, where we're going. And so today in our passage, Paul is going to actually begin to transition um, from, from what we've been kind of talking about, talking a lot about seeking God a lot. Um, and he's going to begin to get more practical um, next week. And so this week, though, is a bit of a transition in his letter to the church in Ephesus. And it's a prayer for them. And, and so that's what we're going to be looking at today um, in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Now, now listen, I, I, I have two daughters and a son, okay? Um, our son is the youngest, and the girls are oldest. Um, and before Judah came along, I was a, a girl dad, right? Like, that's, that's who I was. Um, I, I couldn't go anywhere without having a piece of glitter stuck to my face somewhere. Um, it, was, it was great. I love, I love that I have two beautiful, wonderful daughters. Um, like, like if you have ever had girls, you have had glitter stuck on your face at some point in your life as a dad. Um, and somebody's like, hey, what is that? And it's like, I have a daughter. That's all you have to say. And they, they get it. 
Um, but, but when my, uh, our middle daughter, Hattie, when she was four, um, she was um, super into um, Frozen at that time, right? Um, every parent in the room knows Frozen. Yes, I can sing all the songs. Um, and and so, so she was super into that, and she comes running up to me one day, and, and she asks this question. She says, um, just looking up at me, she goes, Daddy, will you help me find my prince someday? And I'm like, immediately, let's get that in writing. Um, sign sign it, in, blood covenant with that. Yes, absolutely. I will help you find your prince someday. Um, and I, in fact, you let me just, just let me figure it out for you. Um, uh, that arranged marriage, if we will. Um, and, uh, and I was just like, yeah, absolutely, right? Um, and I'm sure it won't go that way as time goes on. And, and, uh, but, 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 what I, but what I know is that, is that as parents, we want what's best for our kids. Um, we, we want and we desire what's best. And so when it comes to, to for our kids, I, I've been praying for their spouse someday. Um, uh, since they were born, I've, I've been praying. And, and here's my number one prayer for them and their, for who their future spouse will be. I'm praying that God would give them a ferociously godly spouse. Um, like, like not a neat Christian um, that they, they know the, 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 the church language and can, can go through the motions of church, but someone who is just going hard after Jesus with their life. That's the, that's the type of spouse I'm praying for my kids. Um, and by God's grace, that we'll, we'll see if that um, comes to, to uh, happen or not. But, but this is what I desire for them. As a dad, I, I, I plead and I pray for, for my kids with God. I, I desire what is best for them um, as far as I can see and understand. And, and, and I, think, I think everybody can relate to that in some way. I think everybody sort of gets that desire, like that, that desire for what is best for our kids. And so today in, in, in this passage today in Ephesians chapter three, Paul is going to pray a prayer. And, and Paul is a spiritual father to the church in Ephesus. He, he's... He was there when it got started. And so Paul is going to pray as a spiritual father for his spiritual kids. And he wants what is best for them as he prays over them. And so let's read this passage together. um, And then we will talk about it. So this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, we 
come before you this morning and we are so thankful for your word. We are thankful that, that we have access to it. We're thankful that, that, that you reveal yourself to us in it. God, we, we, just, we just pray for, for the next few moments uh, as we work through this passage, Lord, that, that our hearts would be ready to, to hear and really hear. That, 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 our, that our hearts would be ready to receive from your spirit what your word is teaching. And so, Jesus, I, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to get out of the way, um, that, that you would um, work, um, work through your word and through your spirit despite me. And, and, and so we just pray, God, and we ask for your name to be magnified and glorified this morning. May we grow in our love and desire for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so one of the fir first things um, we need to do here is, is, is before we get into Paul's actual prayer, I, I want to just look at how Paul actually prays. I, I want to look at Paul's um, posture here in prayer. I want to look at Paul's posture here in prayer because in prayer, our posture matters. Our posture matters. Look, look what he says here in verse 14. He says, when I think of all this, well, well, real fast, what, what is he thinking of? Well, this is what we talked about um, for the last seven weeks, six weeks, right? That, that, that Jesus so loved the world that he came to this earth and made a way for us to be reconciled in relationship to our Father in heaven. That, that it is through, though we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God was rich and abundant in love and mercy toward us. He made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And so, so this is what Paul is thinking about. He is thinking about all that we have unpacked for the last six weeks. And he says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. You see, his position of, his posture here is, is on his knees. His position of prayer is on his knees. You see, see the posture of prayer is, is, has so much to do with this. The, 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 this was, a lot of times I think we kind of um, automatically assume that praying on your knees was a normal thing, that, that that's a normal way that people pray. But, but for Jews, this was not a normal way for them to pray. Like you go to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and people are not generally on their knees praying. They are standing at the wall. That for a Jew, standing there praying, standing was the normal posture of prayer. But what we see throughout Scripture is that there are times when, 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 when people would fall to their knees and pray to God. They would fall to their knees and pray to God. And when they would fall to their knees, it is a, it is a heart attitude. It is a physical demonstration of what is going on within their heart, of humility, of humble, uh, of deep humility, of deep emotion, of deep desperation to see God work and move. It's them acknowledging their place in light of who God is. And you see, so, so here's what I would say. I, I would say that this has to be our heart posture towards prayer. Like, I'm not saying we always have to pray on our knees. In fact, I... I, my, my knees hurt when I pray on them. Like, I, I can't stay on them for very long. I'm, my, my favorite thing to do is I, I like to walk while I pray. I like to go on prayer walks almost every day. This is what I like to do. But, and and so, so I'm not talking about the physical posture, but I am talking about our heart posture towards God. That, that when we pray, we pray with deep humility, with, with, deep, um, with, with deep desperation for God to move and work that this is the heart posture that Paul prays with here. Because ultimately Paul understands that, that, that prayer is an act of worship. 
Prayer is an act of worship. Prayer flows out of a heart of gratitude for all that Jesus has done and will continue to do in and through our lives. Listen, I, I think a lot of us struggle with prayer. I mean, if you're like me, I, I, like, I want to be honest, I, I was in ministry for years and, and I just really wrestled with prayer. I was like, this is not easy for me. This isn't natural for me. And I, I, I just, like, I, I'll be sitting there praying and then I'm thinking about my to-do list for the day. I, I'll be sitting there praying and then I'll fall asleep, right? Like, like, like prayer was a struggle and it still is in a lot of ways. And, and, and it's hard. Prayer is difficult and it's challenging. And, and so for sometimes I think that prayer is hard and challenging because we, we, we see prayer not as a way to relate to God, but we see prayer as an obligation on our spiritual checklist and to-do list. That, okay, I need to pray because I know that's what I'm supposed to do. And so, so we just sort of check that, okay, I'm gonna pray for a few minutes. Um, and, and the focus, is, focus of prayer is not prayer itself. The focus of prayer is always God. And when the focus of prayer is, is God and knowing God more and walking with God more closely, then, then it becomes worship. And this is what prayer is. Prayer is about getting to know God. It's about being with our Father, who is the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And, and yet some of us, uh, we, maybe we don't see it as an obligation, but we see God as, as, as a genie here to grant us wishes. And so we just are sort of simply, okay, God, here's my, here's my, here's my, uh, my, my wants list, my wish list. It's like writing a list to Santa. Here's my wish list, God. Make, make it happen. Um, it's like, okay, um, we, we treat God like a, um, like a pinata at a kid's birthday party, which on a side note, whoever came up with that game at a kid's party game is insane. Like, who was like, let's blindfold Johnny, spin him around 10 times and give him a bat, like, and just let him swing away. Like, like that, that's a side note, but, but, but in, a, in a real sense, this is how we want to treat God, right? Like, we think, if I just swing right, if I, if I just pray in the right way, if I just do this, then I'll hit the pinata of God and all the goodies will fall out and I'll be able to go and collect what I want. And we treat God in this way and we treat prayer this way rather than seeing prayer as a way that we worship God. This is, our, this is what Paul is doing. He is praying. He kneels out of desperation. He is desperate to see God act on behalf of the Ephesians. Like Paul is a, Paul is a passionate leader. Like sometimes we can read the Bible and we can forget that Paul was a real person um, and, and that the people in the Bible are real people with real emotions, real feelings. And, 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 and Paul is not just a theological brainiac, which he is, but, but, but he is passionate about God and he is passionate about the people he is praying for. He is desperately dependent on God to see God move on behalf of the people's lives. Like how desperate are we when we pray? How, how desperately dependent on God are we when we pray? Like, like how much are, are, are we praying with passion and pleading with God to move on behalf of ourselves or, or behalf of someone else? How does this look in our lives? And Paul understands, though, Paul understands, though, that his desperate cry for the church in Ephesus, 
He understands that, that, that it's not just a, a hopeful wish that he's throwing up, but he understands that because of the blood of Jesus, he now has access to God. That he has access to God. Look, at, if you jump up with me to verse 12 real quick, this is what he says at the end of, end of what we read last week. But he says, but because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, he says, says that we can have access to God through the blood of Jesus, that, that, that we can boldly enter heaven's throne room because of Jesus' blood. And so when Paul prays and he's desperate to see God's move, he's coming before God boldly. He doesn't feel like he has to go and clean his life up before he comes before God. He doesn't feel like he has to go and fix things up in order for God to hear his prayer. He can come boldly because Jesus has already paid it all and taken care of it all. That he has covered it all and he has given them access to God. Because when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The veil was torn in two. And now allowing access to God for every single person across the world that anyone can have unlimited, unhindered access to God. And this is the type of faith which, which, with which Paul approaches God. A couple nights ago, um, Judah, our youngest, he comes into our room at midnight and he, he wakes me up and he says, Dad, I'm really thirsty. And I'm like, great. Um, and so, but, but what I do, I get up and I get him a drink of water and, and I put him back in bed. 3 a.m. rolls around and Judah comes back in my room and he wakes me up. He says, Dad, I'm thirsty. And I'm like, well, you're about to get a spank. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but, but no, I, no, I, I go and, I, and I, I get him another drink of water and I get him put back in bed. Now, now who, who dares wake up someone at 3 in the morning for a drink of water? Only a child. And this is the way in which God and our relationship works. Now, it doesn't matter what time, like, I'm gonna be honest, if you call me at three in the morning and tell me you're thirsty, I'm hanging up on you. But, but that's not so with the, our, our Heavenly Father, that we are His kids, and he, we, we can boldly enter His throne room. We can boldly have access to Him at any time of any day as a child would go and wake up their father for, for a drink of water in the middle of the night. That this is how we have access to God, by the blood of Jesus. And, and this is how Paul approaches God. This is how Paul approaches him in prayer. He sees him not only as the creator of heaven and earth, but he sees him as Father. Who has unlimited resources. That we have access to God. And so, so here's what this means, because here's what I think happens a lot of times. I think for a lot of times what happens is, is, is we, um, is when we sin, right? Like whatever it is, when we sin, our initial response oftentimes, our natural inclination is to run from God. We, we want to run from him. We want to hide ourselves and, and, and we have to wait till a certain amount of time has passed until we can clean our lives back up, until we can get our lives put back together and we forget the reality that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, 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 that you couldn't clean your life up to have access to God to begin with, so what makes you think you need to clean up your life before you can come to him again? 
that we can boldly enter God's, God's presence through prayer at any time. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter how bad you have sinned. That You can go before God because Jesus' blood has paid it all. We have access to God, and Paul understands this, and he runs to God over and over and over and over again. And so this is Paul's posture in prayer. This should be our posture in prayer. But look what he actually begins to pray for the, for the Ephesian church. Verse 16. He says, he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, from his glorious unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, as you trust in him. And so look what Paul prays for first here. First thing that Paul prays for here is inner strength through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within them, okay? So, so if you don't know that, that the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he has accomplished for you on the cross and through his resurrection, you now have the same power that rose Christ from the dead at work within you. The Holy Spirit indwells every single believer, that this is what scripture teaches. And so, so he's saying that, that the Holy Spirit that is already within you, that God in his unlimited resources would actually empower your inner self. Now we live in a culture that puts a lot of focus on the outer self, on, on the outward, um, on how you look, on the outward appearance. But scripture over and over again is going to talk about how much more important the inner self is. In Psalm chapter, uh, in Psalm 121, he says, he says, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help, where does my strength come from? My strength comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Second Corinthians chapter four, Paul tells us that the outer self is wasting away while the inner self is being renewed day by day. And that apart from him in John 15, five, that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. That, 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 that we are reliant on the power of God. We are reliant on him. And as we rely on him, that the inner self is being renewed. The inner self is being transformed. The inner self is being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. And this is what Paul is praying for. He's praying that they would have their hearts transformed into the image of Jesus. That, that they would be strengthened with inner strength. Like, like I just, I just want to be clear about this, that, that, that you and I, no matter how disciplined we are, can never change our own hearts. That we can never change our own hearts. Like, like we might be able to control some of our outward actions. We might be able to, to be very upright, moral people outwardly, but we can never change our hearts. I don't care how disciplined you are. Like even if you're the type A type of personality that, that you go to bed at 6.30 so you can wake up at 4 a.m. and work out. Uh, if you're the type of person that is like, okay, if I ask you, hey, what are you doing six years from now on February 19th? You're like, what time? Like, like if you're that type A disciplined kind of a person, like I just wanna tell you that, that, that you might be able to control some of your actions through discipline and control, but I just wanna tell you that you can never change your heart. God alone can change your heart. And this is, this, is, this, is, this is what we're talking about here. 
This is what Paul's praying for. He says, I don't care how disciplined you are as, as Ephesians in the church. Like, like, I don't care. You need God to transform your heart more and more and more into the image of Jesus. This is what Paul's prayer is for them. And this is what Paul's prayer is for us. It's the transformation of our heart. It's the, the, the transformation of the inner self that is being strengthened and renewed day by day. This is, this is the power and the strength that, that, that we need to resist temptation. It's the power and strength that we need to share Jesus with, with courage and boldness. This is the, the, the inner strength that, that, that allows us to love people the way Jesus has loved us. This is the inner strength that allows us to be more and more and more like Jesus. And this is what Paul is praying for. He's praying that they would be strengthened by this through the power of the Holy Spirit because God is unlimited in his resources. Like you and I, we are bound in, our, in, in what we can create by the amount of things we can get together to build that thing, right? Like I can only build a house to, to the extent in which I can afford the materials needed to build that house. But God isn't like you and me in that way. God is able to create as much of anything out of nothing as he wants at any time. And so God's resources are unlimited his power is unmatched and what Paul is saying here is that God's unlimited power and unlimited resources would actually strengthen our heart and faith and be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus this is what Paul is praying for them and then he transitions here, um, but, but, but he stays connected with God's power at work within our inner self. But, but, but he transitions here in what he desires for them. He says this again in verse 17. He says, then, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. This is your faith, that your faith would, would, would grow strong as Christ um, is making his home in your hearts, that as he is dwelling richly in you, um, as he is becoming Lord of your life, that your roots um, would grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You see, we are made, the, the, the initial strength comes from God and we are kept strong by God's love. We are kept strong by God's love. That God's power makes us strong and God's love is what will keep us strong. And Paul uses an illustration here of, of roots. He, sa he says that the, your roots would grow down into Christ's love, making you strong, keeping you strong. And so I got, I got to thinking this week, okay, well, what, what do roots actually do? What do roots actually do? Well, well roots, right? Number one, um, roots nourish the plant or the tree, right? They, they nourish the tree. So, so as the roots go down into the soil, they take the nutrients out of the soil and they feed up through the tree to produce fruit. That, that, that a tree cannot produce fruit unless its roots are absorbing the nutrients. And so what Paul is saying here is that, that, that as our roots go down into God's love, that God's love, that the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, would actually begin to be produced in us. That as we're rooted in God's love, that the nutrients of the Spirit would actually begin to produce these things in us. So the roots feed the tree, but the roots also grow down into the soil so that the tree is firm no matter what the weather is. 
no matter, no matter what the situation the tree finds itself in, no matter the circumstance of the tree's life, you're the tree if you don't know what I'm saying here. No matter what storm comes, that the tree would, would stand strong and stand firm and weather the test of time because it is, because it is grounded into the soil. God's love, when we are grounded into the soil, this is, this is what Paul is saying, that, that we would be strong in the soil of God's love, that there's no greater foundation upon which we can build our lives, that no matter what circumstance you may find yourself in today, no, no, no matter what, what challenge you may be facing, that, that God's love will keep you anchored there. I love how um, uh, it made me think this week um, in Jeremiah. Uh, I'm gonna flip over there just because this is a passage I come to over and over again because it's such, so good. But, but Jeremiah chapter 17, um, is <clears throat> verses five through eight, this is what it says. And I, I come to this over and over again because it's so, so good. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. This is, this is you and I. Like, like when, when we put our trust in mere humans, when we put our trust in, in, in our own strength or, the, or, or in someone else, let me just tell you that, that, that that's not going to weather the test of time. Our strength is weak. But this is what it says in verse six. It says, they are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Verse seven, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They've made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Paul's prayer is that these people would plant themselves near the living water of God's love, that they would plant themselves and root themselves in who God is and in his love and so that they will never stop producing fruit, that they will be able to weather long months of drought, that they will be able to endure the hardships of the weather around them. And this is what Paul's prayer is here as well for the, the Ephesian church. This is what he's praying for them, that they would be rooted and grounded in God's love. But he doesn't just want them to be rooted in God's love and know about God's love. In verse 18, he says this. He says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, Paul's desire and prayer here is not that they would just simply know about about God's love and his love for them, but that they would experience it deeply and fully. That they, that they would walk in it on a daily basis. That they would walk in the fullness of God's love. He says, the, he's, as I think about the width of God's love, we've talked about this in previous weeks, the Jews and the Gentiles, right? They are the width. Like, it includes everyone. It includes, God's love includes everyone. All are welcome, all can belong. 
the, the length of God's love. Jeremiah 31.3 says that, that God's love is as long as eternity. You can't even measure it. That God's love is higher than the heavens in Psalm 103. Listen, the nearest solar system is 4.35 light years away. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of the heavens. And God's love is higher than the heavens. The depth of God's love. It tells us in Micah 7 that, that he has cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Listen, in all the thousands of years of sea exploration, there is over 80% of the ocean floors that have never even been explored because they are so deep. That God's love for us is incredible and beyond our comprehension. And yet Paul wants us to experience it, not just know about it in its fullness. This is what he is saying here. This is what he's saying here. And I love that he says this needs to happen in community. Verse 18, he talks about how uh, uh, that, that, you would ha- that you would have the power to understand as all God's people should. That, that we understand the depths of God's love that has to happen in the context of community. That we can't do that on our own. That we can't figure this out through ourselves. In all of this, God's power of strengthening our inner self, transforming our heart more into Jesus, God anchoring us in his love, that Paul's prayer in all this ultimately comes down to our, his desire that we would be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God, that we would be fully mature in Jesus. That you and I cannot grow in our faith, that we cannot be mature in our faith if our inner self is not being transformed and if our, if, if our heart is not anchored in the love of God. We cannot grow up into all that God desires us to be if that is the case. Like Jesus talks about how, how he desires that we would live life and have it abundantly. And maybe you're like, right now, you're like, Marks, I'm not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus talked about. I'm not, I'm not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus w- w- shared about. Listen, my, my life is full of pain and challenges and misery. Whether it's, whether it's addictions, maybe, maybe mental health struggles, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's in parenting, and you just feel like it would never end. Whatever that is, can I, can, I just, can I just encourage you today? Can I just remind you today that, that number one, as we sang earlier, the battle has already been won. That in this life, we will face trials and tribulations, but take heart for he has overcome the world. That we can hold fast to that. And that, that, that ultimately, Ultimately, all of these things, while they feel like they may never end. Uh, this week, Judah got hurt, and he came to me, and he was like, he came to me, and he was like, Dad, this pain's just never going to go away. And I'm like, okay, well, you got a scratch, bud. Um, it, it's it's going to be okay. And he's like, no, it's never going to end. He's crying, and, and I'm just like, okay, well, just go to sleep. You'll feel better in the morning, right? And, and I, like, I don't know how to help you, but, but I promise you, this pain is temporary. And for the follower of Jesus, this pain that we face in this life is temporary because we are going to be with Jesus one day and all is going to be made new. Everything is going to be restored as it should be. And this is why Paul says this at the very end. That no matter what 
experience you may be experiencing right now, no matter what addiction you may be facing, no matter what mental health struggle you may have, no matter how your marriage may be going, no matter how many struggles you may have in parenting, that when our heart is postured towards God in humility and desperation, when, when our heart is desirous to be strengthened by the Spirit within, that when we are anchored in God's love, this is what Paul concludes his prayer with in verse 20. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think, Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. That Paul's prayer ends with great expectation and anticipation for what God is able to do. Listen, I don't know what you are asking God to do. I don't know what you are imagining him to do. And I don't know if he's, how he's gonna respond to it. But here's what I know, that God is capable and he is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. That he is able to, to go to great lengths in order for you to know that he loves you, that he has sent his son Jesus. He left the place of glory and came to rescue and redeem us. That our lives are blessed because of Jesus. Listen, I'm not saying Jesus is going to give you a Ferrari. That's not, that's not what the point of Paul's prayer here is. The point of Paul's prayer here is pray with great expectation and anticipation that God is able to do it to his glory alone. Not your glory, not my glory. It's not about us and what we want. It's about him and him alone. That this is the truth of what he is praying. Here's what I, here's what I know in my own experience. I believe that the atmosphere of expectation and anticipation is the breeding ground for miracles. I don't know what you're experiencing in this life right now. I don't know what you're going through. But I can tell you that our God is bigger, that he hasn't lost control, that he is still with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. To him be the glory in the church forever and ever. Amen. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, my question for you today is, is how are you praying? What, 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 is, what does prayer in your life look like? Are you praying with, with a humble heart, posture towards God? Are, are, are you praying with great expectation and anticipation for what God might do? Or are you sort of just going through the motions and throwing up hopeful wishes that God, if, you, if you're not too busy, maybe you could do this? Or are you praying with great faith? Is your life right now, is your life right now anchored in God's love? Is your life anchored in God's love or is your, is your life anchored in your own comfort and security that you've created for yourself? Maybe you're in the room and you just say, Marcus, I've never, I've never even begun a relationship with Jesus. I don't really know what you're even talking about this morning. Can I just tell you this morning that, that God loves you? And he desires for you to be in relationship with him. And he made a way for that to be possible by sending his son Jesus to live the life that you and I could never live, 
dying the death that you and I deserve so that now we could be made right with him forever. That there is grace and there is forgiveness and there is great love with which God has loved you. And today, right where you're seated, all you have to do is say, God, I know that I've messed up. I know that I've sinned. And I believe that you have forgiven me through your son. Jesus, I need you to save me today. And it's not about the words you pray, it's about the faith in your heart. You want Jesus to save you. And if you would pray that in faith today, I believe that Jesus will save you right where you sit. I don't care about your past. I don't care how bad you've messed up. God loves you. He is for you. He is with you. And he desires relationship with you. So, how's your prayer posture? Do you desire to be full full and mature in Christ? Is that, is that the greatest desire of your heart? Jesus, we need you today. I pray, Lord, that we would respond in faith today. I pray that we would respond to your word today. Pray that we wouldn't walk out these doors the same as we came in. Jesus, we need you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and worship with us. There's peace that outlasts darkness And hope that's in the blood There's future grace that's mine today Jesus Christ has won